When I was growing up, uh, not a lot of people that I knew were super involved in church. And uh, when my family did begin, even my family, we, uh, you've heard me share before, it's no slight against my family, it's just for whatever reason, as I was growing up, uh, my mom, my dad, both are Christians, they know the Lord, but for whatever reason, we just never got super connected in church. But when we did start getting a little more involved in church, I saw that there was kind of a mindset that many people in church had that I began to notice. And this is kind of how I describe it. Many people, I felt like, approach church like this. I'm living my life, and as I'm living my life, part of the mix, part of, part of what I want to be a part of my life is that I want God to be a part of my life. I, I want to go to church, and, and I want that to be a part of the things that, that I'm doing in my life. And, and, and I think that many people saw it that way, and they saw it as, you know, the pastor, he works real hard to listen to God, to stay close to God, to hear from Him, to live for Him. And the rest of us, when we come to church, we come to listen. As the pastor's been walking with God, we come to listen to what he has to say. And, and we take those things that he says and we listen to them and we try to apply them to our lives and we try our best to, to live out and to put those things into practice so that we can honor God with our lives. Sometimes, if somebody was really into it, or maybe if they had some spare time that they could give, some people might get involved a little bit more than that. And you know what's kind of nice? to be a part of what the church was doing. Today, though, I hope we can kind of shatter that view of church. You see, according to God's word, as we read how God describes his family, it's not, I'm living my life, and the church is doing some things, and sometimes I kind of help out with what the church is doing, but I'm still living my life. That's not really how God sees it. Here's more how God explains it. God is at work in this world, and it's me. It's me. I'm the church. I'm the one. I'm the one that God is expecting that his work is going to happen through. And church is all about a bunch of people that God has worked in my life, praise his name. He's worked in your life, praise his name. And God gathers us together. In fact, that's a good word for the word church. The word church in Greek actually could be translated gathering. It was the gathering, the gathering of all the people that God, in another way that can be translated as the called out ones. God has called out people. He has spoken to people. He's called all across this world, invited people in to be a part of his family. And he's gathered us together so that we can learn what it is that he wants me to do, how it is he wants to work in my life, but to take that next step and to say how he wants me and what he's doing in my life to connect with you and what he's doing in your life so that we can work together to accomplish his mission of getting that message out to the whole wide world. That's really the way God sees it. And pastors, as opposed to that view that I kind of grew up with, aren't the players on the field that the rest of us are watching and cheering on. No, they're more like player coaches who are in the mix with us and helping us all work together so we can have a plan and execute that plan and engage in the mission that God has given us to do together. That's a very different view, isn't it? And let me share how important that is. If we continue, just as, a, as God's people across the world, and let's just talk about the United States, if we continue with the model that many Christians and many churches have had, even good Bible-believing churches, if we continue with that model, which is that idea of there's one pastor with a bunch of people kind of supporting what he's doing, 
I believe that is attempting to do God's work by addition. And how's it working? How's it going for the church? How influential, how impact-making is God's people in this world today? Many times when people describe the church, don't they describe it in condescending ways? Don't they describe it? And, 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 and that reflects on us. Why is it that the church looks so sickly to the world around us and not is the powerful, influential, life-changing, transforming place that God's family ought to be? Amen? God does his work by multiplication, not by addition. We need a paradigm shift in the way that we see God's work. We need a shift from a traditional model to the biblical model. We all are, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And God has some important role for every single person in this room if his work is going to be accomplished. As we finish up our series, Loving on Purpose, I want to talk to you today about this. It's not the same without you. Now we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 4. And let me just kind of remind you where we've been so far in this series. We've basically said that in the first message, we said, you know what? God wants us to get our act together. You know, the first, do you remember what the title of the first message was? Does anybody know what we're doing? <laughs> and I think God sometimes looks down and says, do any of y'all know what you're doing? God wants us to get serious about this. Instead of looking, you know, like a bunch of people just sort of half prepared, unorganized, God wants us to get ready, to get organized for action, to have an idea of what it is he wants us to do together. And God gives us people, we talked about in the second message, who can kind of help us to coordinate. They teach us the ways of the Lord. They lead us and they give us direction. Those are our pastors. And then God gives us people. We talked about deacons last time. There are people in our group who can help us. They're not the only ones who do ministry, but they are put into place to help us make sure that everybody, as we're moving forward with God, that nobody's left behind, that nobody falls through the cracks, that everybody that God has brought to us, we bring with us. Amen? But today what we want to talk about is, is that God's work involves every single one of us. And I hope that that is just burned and engraved in your mind today as you leave this, as you leave this service today. Every, each and every, every single. I hope those concepts, those ideas are just so clear today as we talk about what we're going to talk about. And the first thing I want to talk about is this. I want us to look at how God has put his work together, how he has designed the work that he plans to do through us. And we're going to start that by looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. And I'm going to read down through verse 11, and then we'll go back and look at a few things. It's talking about spiritual gifts here. Uh, God gives abilities when you are brought into his family. God gives each one of us abilities um, they're distinct from talents, they're distinct from natural abilities, but they're distinct from your personality. They all kind of tie together in some sense. But, but when you're brought into God's family, God gives you a place, and he gives you the ability to fulfill what he's called you to be about in his family. So it says in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects or the working out of those ministries. Now, these are just three different ways of saying there's lots of different ways that God does his work. 
but the same God who works all things in all persons. Then in verse 7, it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good or for the good of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the, the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, there's several things I want you to write down there in your sermon notes that come out of these verses. First of all, these verses tell us that God is very creative. In verses 4 through 6, it says, listen, there, it's very clear in this passage. How many gods are there? There's one God. There is only one Lord. There's only one God. And it says there are vari- there's, there's one God. There's the same God. But there are varieties of gifts. There are varieties of ministries. There are var- Isn't God creative? Amen. You just look at the different peoples and the different cultures of the world. You just get to know people. Don't people see things differently? Don't people do things differently? Don't people act differently? Don't they say things differently? And that's just, that's just looking in general at creation, how God's wired us. But in talking about spiritual gifts, it tells us there's one God, but he's very multifaceted. He does his work through people in lots of different ways, in lots of different aspects. And then secondly, in verse 7, it says that even though there's a lot of variety, even though there's a lot of creativity, every single one of us has been given some role. He says in verse 7, but to each one is given, God has given each one of his children a special role in his work. It says each one. Do you hear that? And I think that's important because I find it over and over again in people's lives. When we're talking about God working in someone's life, Many times people say, yes, Pastor Robbie, I know in my mind, I know in my head that God can and will work through people. But then in parentheses, except me. Okay? What does it say in these verses? Each and every one of you, God, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, God has given you. It's a gift at least one spiritual gift. And then many times, I think probably, in my experience, most people have a cluster of gifts. They, have, they maybe have a couple or several different special abilities God's given that person to be used by him. Now, again, these are distinct from natural talents and abilities. You know, I can run fast or you're a good public speaker. <laughs> Not really, I can't run fast, but I'm just saying, you know, those kind of things... You're good at math, you know, or you like to talk, or you're introverted. Now, all those things kind of go together to make up who we are, our personality, and they certainly impact how God can use us. But here we're talking about spiritual gifts. Thirdly, in verse 7, it says, God uses those gifts. This is maybe one of the most important points in the message. God uses those gifts through us to make himself known to the world. It says, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That word manifestation means to make something known that hasn't been known, that's been hidden before, that wasn't obvious, okay? What it's saying is there is a God in heaven. And you know what? He is God whether I know about him or not, amen? Whether I acknowledge him, whether I ever found out about him or not, he is God, that stands, But you know what's pretty cool? 
that God in heaven, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, decided that he wanted to be known. Isn't that cool? He could have said, the Bible says we will not get to God on our own. If God had said, I don't want you to know about me, guess what? You would have never found the one true God. But God says, I want to make myself known. And we say, thank you, Lord, because I wouldn't have found you on my own. And so God reveals himself to us. Thank God that he reveals himself to us through his word, the Bible. Amen. We've got the Bible, the revealed word of God. But one of the ways that God makes himself known is through you. To each and every member of the body of Christ, a manifestation, a revealing of God and his spirit is given. Isn't that cool? And then it says in these verses that God expects us to use those gifts in the lives of other people. If God wants to be known, then we must utilize, we must engage those gifts in the lives of others so that he can be known. He says each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the good of all. That's one of the problems that the Corinthians had. They struggled with the fact that they thought that some spiritual gifts were kind of better than others or more desirable to have than others. And they sort of had that mindset in their church. And so uh, this person had this spiritual gift. This person had this spiritual gift. This person had this spiritual gift. And since some are more desirable than others, then if you had that certain desirable spiritual gift, then you were kind of, you know, I mean, you're, you're a good Christian, but I mean, I got the good, st- you know, I'm really spiritual. And, and, and people thought that those spiritual gifts were to be kind of enjoyed or, or kind of, personally gratifying, all right? Well, the Bible says spiritual gifts are not to be used for your personal gratification. They are, good, they are given so that God can make himself known to others. They are to be employed in the lives of others because it's not about you. Remember, we say that a lot. It's not about you. It's about God working through you for the good of others, amen? Then he says, God gives many different kinds of spiritual gifts in verses 8 through 10. It lists out some of those. I won't read them because I've already read them. But you can write down Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are some other passages. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are some other passages that give us some representative spiritual gifts that God has revealed to us that he gives to people. Maybe you, maybe you say, I'm not sure what spiritual gift I have. Then I would read those passages, and I would begin to study about spiritual gifts. And we've done that in the past. If you want to go online and look up some of the messages that we've done on that, maybe that would be helpful to you. But then lastly, another key important point, it says in verse 11, God coordinates all of that. Okay, here's the gist of what we're saying. God wants people to know him. One of the primary ways that he has chosen to make himself known is through you. He's given you... Lots of different spiritual gifts, because there's lots of different aspects to who God is, amen? There's lots of different things about him that we need to know and we need to experience and we need to understand. So he's, he's been very creative. He's given lots of different people lots of different spiritual gifts. He wants those to be used, and as they're used, he'll be made known to other people. And that gives those people the opportunity to receive him themselves, like you have, and also for them to get engaged in just, what do we talk about? Not addition, but what? Multiplying God's work all over this world. And listen to this. This is really cool. Remember we said, does anybody know what we're doing? 
Uh, yeah, somebody does. Guess who knows? God knows. He knows what, he knows what we're doing. And, and he knows what the plan is. It says, but one and the same spirit, God works all these things. I love this word. Distributing to each one individually, just as he was. I almost get the picture of, okay, guys, you've given your life to me. I want you to be a part of my work. All right, we're giving out spiritual gifts. Everybody get in line. All right, okay. All right, so here's, all right, all right, there's yours. All right, next. All right, there's yours. Oh, and it's different. It's not the same, right? Uh, God's just, he's just distributing just as he wills. Guess who decides what you get? God does. You know what? God knows you better than you know you. He knows exactly. (laughs) He designed you. He created you. He knows how you're going to work the best in this world. He knows how you're going to fulfill the purpose that he has for your life and how that's going to fit in an overall plan that he has for the world. Isn't that incredible? Aren't you glad somebody knows what they're doing? Amen? What we're really talking about in this series is there's no doubt God knows. It's just we need to make sure we're on the same page with him. That's again... You're going to keep hearing me beat this drum where prayer is absolutely vital. How are we going to know what's on God's heart unless we ask God to show us? But if we do it his way, it's going to work just right. Friends, I hope you're seeing that that mindset that many people have had about God's work over the years, that did not come from God. Do you hear that? The way that many churches see are, are attempting to do God's work the way that many Christians have assumed. Now, I want you to think about it for just a minute. Has your view of church, has your view of God's work been primarily influenced by the Bible, by God's word, or by experience, or by tradition? Think about that for a moment. And it may be that the reason that many of us have had so many not-so-positive experiences in church is because we've been doing it our way instead of God's way. Is that possible? Seems like it, doesn't it? God has designed his work. Isn't it beautiful? God has designed his work for lots of different different parts to be working together. And you know what? What's cool about that is I'm learning this so much. I just love it to see it happen. God is bigger than Robbie Lankford. That's an understatement. I can't see everything. Amen? You can't see everything. I can't do everything. You can't do everything. There's some things I can do with God's help. Without him, I can do nothing. But through him, I can do all things. All things that he's created me to do. And so I've learned to get empowered by that. And there's lots that goes into that. God, I'm completely dependent on you. But if you want to use me, okay, use me. But even if I'm being used to the max, I'm coming up short. Right? Because I'm not the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. But I need to see you and your part. And the world needs to see you and your part. You know what's so cool? I love it. I love it. 
we're doing like a Maricade or the sportsman's dinner's coming up. I just love to see those big church family kind of, you know, activities that we do together where everybody just pitches in. And you know what? Let's think about our picnic next week, okay? We're going to get together and, and, you know, somebody reserved the pavilion and made sure that we got there. I wonder who did that. Somebody did that. Somebody made sure we have, we're going to have grills there. Actually, that's today. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> my stomach growled. I realized that's today. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else <laughs> reserved the pavilion. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> now, all these little pieces. You know what? I love to get there. And last, last year, I remember somebody brought a bocce ball. I've never seen a bocce ball. i never played that game before. I'd have never thought to bring a bocce ball. But that made my picnic last year. That was awesome. That was wonderful. Okay, so you do, you do all this stuff, and you're like, I can't put my finger on one person who, like, did this. I just see... Jesus. Amen? Isn't that awesome? It's just a miracade. Who did that? Well, yeah, there's some key leaders and people behind the scenes, but I just see a bunch of people from across the nation that are hearing about Christ, that are being loved on, that are having a good time, and I just see Jesus. I can't think of any one person in our church who did that. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because if the body is working together... It is a beautiful thing, and guess who rises to the top? Jesus. You are awesome, Lord, not any one individual. But you know, even after talking about that, I know that some of us struggle with, Pastor, I just just can't really believe that I am that critical to God's work. What we want to say, and I, and I know, because I'm like you, I mean, I sit, you know, when I'm being challenged, I think about things, you know, I make myself the exception, you know, I just can't believe that, that, that if for whatever reason I'm not involved or I'm not, you know, playing the role that I'm supposed to have, I just can't believe that New Hope's like not going to make it, you know, you, it's just going to fall apart. Well, it may not fall apart, fall apart, but what was the title of the message? It's not going to be the same without you. You know what is so cool to me? You know, in a growing church, it's challenging. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. <laughs> it's just like every day, something new. Okay, it's challenging. But you know what's really cool about it? We can get better. And what I mean by better is more effective. As you, as you grow, all these little nuances and people's passions and, and their abilities and, and the things that they feel called to and, and you can touch more lives and you can be more specific in how you minister to people. Now, I always share with people the example of when you first start a church or when you first, when you first get going, youth group is like birth to 25. You ever been at a small church, you know, where like youth group is like everybody that's not married. And then as you go along, it's kind of like, no, oh, no, we need to do like sixth grade and under and seventh grade and up, you know, we need to kind of have, you know, younger kids ministry and then we need to have older older uh, student ministry. And as you go, that's kind of where we are right now. But as we go along, you'll probably need to take the, uh, the student ministry, the older student ministry, and have junior high and senior high, right? And so more and more, because you ask somebody who's doing the student ministry, how is it sharing a message with a seventh grader and a 12th grader at the same time? Kind of different lives, isn't it? So the more you go along, the more God raises up these gifts, these abilities And every single one of them are critical. Listen to how important you are to God's work. Let's start in verse 12. Verse says, for even as the body, he's talking about the human body, 
For even as the human body is one and yet has many members, and that just means body parts, okay? We've got a human body. The Bible's describing or it's, it's, uh, it's comparing the body of Christ with the human body. Even as the human body is one and yet has many members or parts, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized, we were all brought in, we were all immersed, completely identified together in Christ into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. No matter what, many people, people, many different people from many different backgrounds and experiences are brought together in one body in Christ. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, "Eh, I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. If your foot all day, if all it said was, Robbie, I, you know, I just, I mean, I just don't feel like I'm a part of your body. Does that make it not part of the body? It is a part of the body. It's just not working right now because it can't get over thinking it's not part of the body. Amen? If a foot says, I'm not a hand, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? You see, the Bible says there are things that God wants to do that I can't do. I don't see certain things. I don't notice certain things. That, when, you, when you begin working in the body of Christ, that's one of the coolest things. You see things. You think of things. You pray for people. You share with people. You interact. You think of ministries that I would never think of. And the same goes in my direction. There are things that I think of. There are things that I initiate that you may not think of. If we were all the same... Where would the individual pieces be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. There's it, there it is again, isn't it? God has a plan. Here's, here's kind of how I'm feeling as I read that. Why do you keep talking back to God? Why do you keep telling him, uh-uh? He says, you're part of my family. You're part of my body. You're important. I want to work to you. Uh, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. Don't you think the Lord just kind of wants to go, would you please just believe me? I mean, how much more do I have to do? I've said you are absolutely critical. And he's done it just like he's playing this up. If they were all one member, where would the body be? I shared a couple of weeks ago. If I took an eyeball out and set it there, I mean, I know that's gross. But it's effective, isn't it? If I take an eyeball out and set it up here on the pulpit, you go, ooh. Well, it's been sitting here the whole time. But it's in the right place, isn't it? If it's out of place, it looks weird. You don't just have eyeballs sitting around on tables. If they were all one body part, where would the body be? If you saw my eyeball, you wouldn't say, there's Robbie. Okay, it's all those pieces have to come together. I know it's gross, but it's effective. But, but now there are many members but one body. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. Now, don't miss this part. Because some of you think, okay, okay, I'm a part of the body, but I'm the toenail on the little toe. Okay? I'm as far as you can get away from being important. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, 
are necessary. How many of you um, have ever just, you know, like taken your kidney out and just displayed it for people? Okay? We don't do that, do we? I mean, kidneys aren't, aren't like public display kind of. They're more behind the scenes, aren't they? But are they fairly important? <laughs> the ones that are weaker, more fragile, actually, even though they may not be as out front in public, you can make a pretty good case. You need those things, don't you? That's what he says. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, they're parts of our body. And this is literally talking about, talking about clothing. You know, there's parts of our body that we cover over with clothing. Okay, because they're not as honorable uh, publicly. But those things we bestow more abundant honor. Because they're maybe in and of themselves not as honorable to display, we actually dress them up and give them a little bit more honor, don't we? Than the rest of the body. So there's parts of the body, what he's saying is that just kind of on their own are fine to display. There are parts of the body that aren't fine to display, but because we kind of cover them up with nice things, we're kind of giving them a little bit of honor. So guess what? Every part of the body has some honor has a special place but god has so composed the body in verse 24 giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body but that the members the body parts may have the same care for one another and if one member suffers if one part suffers all the parts suffer with it if one part is honored all the parts rejoice with it now you are christ's body and individually members are parts of it. Let me give you three important things from these verses. First of all, write this down. A part of the body is out of place if it's not fulfilling its purpose. We just talked about that. A part of the body is out of place. It's strange. It's weird if it's not where it's supposed to be. Secondly, the body itself would not function properly if that part was missing. And then thirdly, sometimes the parts of the body that are less impressive or less attractive initially are actually more important. At the end of the day, they're all important. Now, how does that translate to us? A part of the body is out of place if it's not fulfilling its purpose. If you are not willing to fulfill your God-given purpose, you are out of place. Isn't that true? If I'm a part of the body, but I'm not fitting where God has designed for me to go, I'm out of place. I'm an arm that's just sitting around, not connecting to the body. And it looks strange, doesn't it? Is it possible? You know, people say, Pastor Robbie, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm trying to grow but there just seems to be something missing. It's just, I seem like there's something else. What is left? You know what's left for many people? It's ministry. You were created to serve. You were created to be connected to the body and fulfilling a God-given purpose that he has for you in the lives of other people. A body part would feel out of place and weird if it wasn't connected and serving its purpose. Isn't that true? Number two, he said the body would not function correctly if a part of it is missing. The body of Christ will not function correctly if you're not connected to it. It'll appear maimed or disfigured or injured. Isn't that the way that many times people describe the church? Kind of sickly, kind of sad, 
kind of not very impressive? Is it possible that the reason we look so maimed to the world is because some of us are not understanding that I have a critical role and I haven't connected and engaged in that role? That's not the way that we want the world to see God's family, is it? Don't we want the world to see the body of Christ as beautiful and fully functioning and doing all that it is possible that it could do? Now, let me ask you a question. If God were doing all that God could do, I wonder what that would look like. Think that might be world-changing. Is your heart beating fast like mine? I'm wanting some of that, amen? I'm wanting to head that direction. Final thing is, even if you think you're not significant, you are. In fact, you might be some of the most significant. That's the weird thing. There's so many contradictions in, in the way that God works in our lives and, and the way that we think and the way that God thinks. You know, I might think that I'm the least important person, but I might end up being one of the most. I shared last night, I've shared with you before, there was a lady that, well, when we first got married, when we first started ministry, there was a lady named Miss Trudy Bean, okay? She was a, an older lady when I met her. She died just a few years ago. She wasn't really super involved in any other visible active ministries, you know, week in and week out in the church, but she was the cornerstone prayer warrior in our church. And she told me, she said, Robbie, for the rest of my life, I'm going to pray for you every day. You think she maybe is important? Well, let me just put it like this. I may not be here as the pastor of New Hope Church if this little precious lady hadn't decided about 20 years ago she was going to grab hold of my life and lift me and my family up to the Lord every single day until she died. Is that pretty important? Wouldn't be the same without her, would it? You know, two things have really touched my heart over the last few weeks. I shared with you last week that somebody sent me an email as we're going through this series, and they signed it, your partner in ministry. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. A partner in ministry. That's what we are, isn't it? We are partners together to do the Lord's work. Then somebody else came up to me and said, Pastor Robbie, I just wanted you to know, they came up right after service. They said, Pastor Robbie, I just wanted you to know, God was speaking to me in my personal time with him the other day. I was spending time with the Lord in the morning and God just said, I'm just going to make up a name, Sam. He, he, this person said, you know what? God just spoke to me and said, Sam, you know what? You live in this neighborhood and as far as you know, nobody in this neighborhood knows Jesus as their Savior. I've put you in this neighborhood so that they will. And they, and they shared with me specifically a ministry that they were going to start in their neighborhood specifically for their neighbors because they are a missionary in that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Amen? We are partners together. I don't live in that neighborhood. You don't live in that neighborhood. I live in my neighborhood. You live in your neighborhood. Amen? If we're truly going to be the family of God, we've got to change the way that we've seen church. Church is not about tradition. Church is not about a building. Church is not about leaders or some organization doing some stuff, and I'll try my best to sort of help them out in what they're doing. Church is about me and my life 
and everything that I own and all my hopes and dreams and my time and my talents and my money and my family. And God, just use me, connect me where I need to be in your larger work so that we can see more people come to you. That's what church is about. So here's the question. What role has God given you to fulfill in that purpose? You see, I believe God's pretty smart. Amen? (laughs) He knows where you live. He knows where New Hope Church is. If he's connected you with New Hope Church, I believe, and and you believe this is the church God's called you for him to do his work in your life, I believe he knows exactly what he's doing. You know what, today it may be that you're here because you need to hear the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He paid your sin penalty for you that you would have had to pay forever and ever, never could have paid that debt fully. You would have just, you would have forever and ever had to pay for the consequences for your sin and you couldn't do it. Forever separated from God. He said, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to face that. I'm going to give my life for you. He rose from the dead showing that he could back what he said he could do. He offers life that lasts forever. And God is doing you a precious favor. He's giving you a gift today by saying to you, I want you to have that too. Many people in this church have found that. I want you to have that. Today, would you get connected with God? You can do that. Many of us have. But right now, we're not engaged maybe in what God wants us to do. I want to ask you, why not? If you're not engaged, do you, maybe it's just, I don't know where God wants me to be. Okay, then what step do I need to take today? I'm going to begin actively seeking God. Is that fair enough? I don't know exactly where I need to be, but I'm going to begin actively seeking God for what role am I to play in your work through this church family in the world. Whatever it is today, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to come up, help me out here a little bit. I'm going to ask a couple of the uh, members of the worship team to come up kind of assist us let's see if we can there we go all right so at the beginning of the service we gave you some puzzle pieces here's the question god's putting together a picture amen and god wants me i'm a piece of that puzzle it may not seem like very much But when they all go in, trust me, it's going to be pretty cool. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. On the back of your puzzle piece, I want you to write your name. You can write your first name or your first and last name, whatever. Nobody else is going to really need to look at these. Once these go down, they're going to to set the puzzle. You put your name, and I want you to put under that, if you know... If you've prayed, if you've sought the Lord, if you're serving him right now, you know where God wants you right now, where you fit in his greater work through this church family, you just go ahead and write that down. I know where it is. I'm pretty sure he wants me to be the pastor. Okay, so I, I'm going to write that down. You know? <laughs> All right, so, so that's what I would write down. Maybe you know where God wants you to serve. All right, so you write that down. Maybe you would say, you know what? I've been praying about something, to be honest with you. I've been praying about getting involved with the missions ministry. I've been praying, you know, we did this thing, a single moms uh, oil change a few weeks ago. I've been praying about maybe some 
mercy ministry, some serving others. Maybe it's women's ministry, prayer. You, you could just write that down. Maybe a question mark. Say, Lord, I'm not sure, but I think this might be where I fit. If you're not sure today, you can just write a question mark. Or maybe write, I'm seeking. This, this is just between you and the Lord. There's actually something you worship, God. If, if you kind of want just something to jog your memory about the different things that God does through our church, there's a thing in there that kind of shares some of the different ministries. This is between you and the Lord.